Amazing stuff, isn't it? I uh, brought with me today a uh, mirror, and uh, I don't know about you, but I spend some time looking in the mirror most days. Uh, when, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And maybe the question is, how do you feel about what you see? Are you happy with what's there? Uh, if you're like me, you know, there are times lately in life I uh, look in the mirror and think, uh, wow, Jeff, you've uh, put on some weight in some places that you don't want to have it. Uh, Maybe you uh, look in the mirror and you uh, think, uh, where is all of my hair going? You know, it's slowly disappearing. Um, Maybe if you're like me, you look in the mirror and think, where did all that gray hair come from? How did I get that? Uh, You know, maybe, uh, you you probably don't do this anymore, and uh, you probably, when you were much younger, but uh, especially guys, did you ever stand in front of the mirror and do this thing, you know? Yeah, flex those muscles. For me, it was never very exciting to watch. Maybe you're like me, and now I stand in front of the mirror, and I think, where is all that hair coming from? I have hair in places that I don't know why I have hair there. I think I have more hair in my nose now than on my chest, which really isn't saying a lot. You know what? When we look in the mirror, we all have different thoughts and emotions. And I think if we're really honest today, a lot of us in this place, when we look in the mirror, we have a great sense of insignificance and a feeling that we simply don't matter. You know what? Our our culture tells us we ought to look in the mirror, and our culture is all about uh, image and beauty, isn't it? It it drives so much of what we do. It even affects our kids, our children. Uh, Have you heard of the thing that's on the Internet? It's called Miss Bimbo. Uh, I saw statistics, something like 1.4 million little girls are uh, playing this, and uh, I don't know if it's real recent. I, I still found the website. But really, the website is all about attracting little girls who go on and they kind of get their character. And the way that they are successful at this website is that they do things like uh, with their little girl they pick, they have plastic surgery, they go on diets, uh, they take their little girl to pick out lingerie, they take their little girl to um, buy clothes, to go to the nightclub. And the more of that kind of thing that they do, the more uh, successful they are. You know, what our culture says about what we see in the mirror is so unrealistic. You know, the average woman is about five foot three inches tall and weighs about 152 pounds, but the average female model is five foot nine and weighs 109 pounds. And most of what they do to achieve that, and they have all kinds of techniques to try to improve their beauty. I mean, these, these models uh, use uh, duct tape in strategic places. They um, airbrush their skin. It's not real. It's very unrealistic. But those unrealistic images, we compare ourselves to those. And they are what often drive us to feel like we're simply not significant, that we don't really matter. And it's a struggle for us. Our culture drives so much of this, and it's difficult for us. But I think there are some other images that we see when we look in the mirror. And to be honest, I fear these other images even more. For some of you gathered in this room today, when you stand in front of the mirror and you look, you know what you see? You see something and you say back to what you see, you are unwanted. You're worth nothing. Or you look in the mirror and you say, you are all alone. You'll never be loved. Or you look in the mirror and you say to the mirror, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never measure up. And this notion that we don't really matter, that we are insignificant, is a constant struggle for us. Let me tell you something. If when you look in the mirror, you have those kinds of thoughts, I want to tell you somebody has stolen your identity. 
Now, I don't mean they took your credit card or your driver's license or they drove by your house one day and took the mail out of the mailbox and they're using your name. They have, our culture has stolen your real identity. Maybe your identity has been stolen by some past experience. There was a spouse that mistreated you or you were abused as a child. Maybe your identity has been stolen because of what other people say about you or at least what you perceive that they are saying about you. And today I want to help you recapture your real identity. I want to try to help you overcome the fear of not mattering. Last week we began to explore how it is that we can live this life fearlessly. We talked about how we can move from living in constant fear to living in faith. And we looked at a a story in Jesus' life where He demonstrates to us how and why we can move from fear to faith. And if you missed last week, I want to really encourage you to go to our website or to go to our podcast on iTunes and listen to last week's message because I think it's really important, very foundational to all the things that we're going to talk about. Our image is not found in what we see in the mirror. Our real image is found in who we are or who we can be in Jesus. And so for a few minutes today, I want to show you what I mean by that. I want to look at a very short passage of Scripture in a book in the Bible in the New Testament that I have a hard time pronouncing. And uh, so you can laugh at me the first time and then I have figured out how not to have to say it the rest of the time, I think, through the whole message. It's the book of Ephesians. Okay? And be quiet, son. So open your Bibles to that. It's just after Galatians, right before Philippians and Colossians. It's chapter 1, and really, I want you to find that in your Bibles today, because the next time you look in the mirror and you think, I don't matter, I want you to remember what is written here. Now, let me give you a little background. Sometimes we read something like this in the Bible. It's a letter that Paul, who was a leader in the ancient church, wrote to a church in Ephesus. And sometimes I think we read this and we think, well, that's an ancient book. It doesn't really apply to me. I'm sure the people that he was writing to were nothing like me. But I want to tell you, if you read this book carefully, you quickly discover that this letter that Paul wrote was written to a group of people who were a lot like us. They struggled with stuff in life. The times were difficult. They struggled with making bad choices and sin in their lives, and you find evidence of that throughout. And I think that based on what Paul writes here in the first few verses, they probably also struggled with the fear of not mattering. And so lest you think this doesn't really apply to me, absolutely, I think it was written to people exactly like us. So here's what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, Paul just says, you know what, God has blessed me so incredibly much. And I just want to say thank you for all of the blessings that He just keeps pouring into my life. And then he begins to name some of those blessings that God has given him in his life in verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight, in love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Now, what does all that mean? Let me give some handles to hold on to here. Why don't have to fear not mattering? Well, first Paul says, we are on God's mind. Did you catch that? Paul says there in verse 3, verse 4, that since the beginning of creation, before even the world was created, Before you were ever born, you were on God's mind. 
Your coming to this earth, your being born, was not an accident. Your birth was part of God's intentional plan. It didn't just happen. It wasn't a mistake. God planned for you. You were on His mind. Why am I so confident about that? I want to show you something that David writes in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. And I don't usually ask you to look at two different passages, but I want you to turn over in your Bibles to Psalms. And so if you go to pretty much the very middle of your Bible in the Old Testament, you'll find the book of Psalms and you look for uh, chapter 139. David is writing here and he, he's really it's a prayer that he's communicating to God. But I, I think these are words that God laid on David's heart as David reflected about who he was and how God had made him. Listen to what it says, Psalm 139, verse 13. David is writing, he's speaking to God, and he says this, For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David says, God knit us together in our mother's womb. We are not an accident. Before you were born, you were on God's mind. And He was perfectly knitting you together in your mother's womb. He was carefully crafting who you would be. When I was uh, growing up, uh, my family lived in Finley, Ohio. My uh, dad's a pastor, and so church was always part of our life. And uh, I can remember growing up, and uh, at our church we had a children's choir. And evidently every child got to sing in the choir because I got to sing in the choir. And trust me, I was no better then than now. And, and I remember being in this choir, and I remember one year we did this musical based on a song, a children's song that the Gaithers had written. And if you were around the church earlier in life, maybe you heard about the Gaithers. And they wrote this song, very simple. It was simply called, I Am a Promise. I am a promise. I'm not going to sing, don't worry. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a great big bunch of potentiality. I can be anything that God wants me to be. Simple message. But it's so true. It's true for all of us. If you can hear my voice in this room, if you're sitting in this room today, it's true of you. God created you with a promise and possibility and potential to be whatever He wants you to be because you were on His mind. And you know what? It isn't just true when we were children. It's true for us as adults. Now, why am I so confident of that? Because of something that Jesus said. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said this one day. He said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Just two birds. In ancient times, you could buy two of them for a penny. Pretty good deal. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. Jesus says these cheap birds, two for a penny. Not one of them falls to the ground without God's awareness. Without God knowing it. Verse 30 says, And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus says these birds, two for a penny, seem insignificant. God knows if one of them falls from the sky. But here's something even better. You're worth more than sparrows. So don't fear not mattering because you're on the mind of God. Who counts hairs? <laughs> I mean, we style it, cut it, color it, but who counts hairs? God does. 
And in those moments when you feel like no one knows you, no one cares about you, would you remember that God knows you? He knows you so well that He has numbered the hairs on your head. And as fast as they fall out of my head sometimes, that must be quite a job to keep up. He knows the number of the hairs on your head because you're on His mind. He probably knows the number of hair, hairs in your nose too, maybe. You are on the mind of God. There's a second thing that I notice here. It happens in verse 4 back in chapter 1 of the book we were looking at. The second part of the verse says this. Yeah, you caught it. I'm not saying it. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us. Did you catch that? It says that we are adopted. We are adopted into God's family. Now, adoption in ancient times was different from our perspective on it today. When we think of adoption today, we generally think of a parent or parents who adopt an infant or a young child. But in ancient times, when you talked about adoption, it was specifically lived out and specifically talked about because people were adopting someone who would be their heir, who would be the heir of their estate. And in their times, in ancient times, they would often adopt an adult. Do you know why they would do that? Because they had been able to watch the life history of that adult and they knew their character and whether or not they were a worthy heir for their estate. Now, if you think about it, that's a powerful image then that Paul creates for us here. Because in essence, what Paul is saying, that God has invited you, adopted you into His family with the full knowledge of who you are. Yeah, He knows already all of your mistakes, all your failures, all your mess-ups, all the moments that you felt insignificant. God knows all that stuff. He knows all of the, the stuff in your life. And yet, with that complete and full knowledge, He makes the choice to adopt you into His family. He chooses to love you. He chooses to care about you, even though He knows everything about us. Do you remember growing up maybe in elementary school, out on the playground, or maybe in the classroom if you were going to play a game in class? The teacher would say, we're going to play a game, let's choose sides. And so two captains would be picked and they would choose sides. And maybe you were one of those fortunate ones that were picked early, but maybe like me, you were one of the ones who was picked in the middle or towards the end. And it doesn't just happen as children. It's happened to us too when the other guy gets the job or somebody else gets the promotion, or when you were in high school, somebody else got picked to be on the cheerleading squad and you didn't, or you got cut from the team. And we've all been there at some point in our life, I think, and we've felt those emotions. Will they pick me? Will they choose me? Don't I matter? Am I not good enough? Am I not significant? To which God would say, you do matter. You are significant. Have you ever had a moment where you have wondered to yourself, I wonder if they had it to do all over again, if they'd still do it again, if they'd still choose me. Would they still hire me? Would she still choose to marry me? In fact, maybe you've wondered it about God. If God had it to do all over again, would He still choose to save me? Maybe you think about all of the damage that you've done to God over the years and you think, you know, maybe He would have been better off never to have saved me in the first place. You know, those thoughts roll around in our minds until, until we get to a point where we read something like we just read here in chapter 1. 
And when you fully read that and grasp it, and you recognize that God has adopted us into His family with complete and full knowledge of everything about our past, everything about our present, and everything about our future, it ought to wipe away those thoughts. Because God knew us, everything about us. And still He chose to love us and to adopt us into His family. There's one more handle that I want you to see here. It happens in verses 7 and 8. Paul writes this, he says, In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We are forgiven. This last picture may be the most valuable, may be the most important, because maybe it is the clearest picture of just how much we are valued and loved by God. Did you catch there that Paul says with full wisdom and understanding, within, with complete knowledge about who we are and what we'd be, God still loved us enough that He sent His Son, His own Son, to be executed on a cross in our place. The next time that you look in the mirror and the mirror says back to you, you don't matter, you're not significant, Think of the cross. Think of the words of John 3.16. It's probably the most familiar passage in all of the Bible. John 3.16 simply says this, God loved the people of this world. And that would be you, right? You are a people and you live in this world. God loved the people of this world so much that He gave His only Son so that everyone who has faith in Him will have eternal life and never really die. You know what? It's time to exchange the mirror. The mirror that says to us, you don't matter. The mirror that says, you're not significant. The mirror that says, you'll never measure up. The mirror that says, you'll never be good enough. It's time to exchange that mirror for the image of the cross. Because the cross reminds us that I do matter. That I do measure up. That I am good enough in God's eyes. It's been a long time now since it came out, but the movie The Passion of Christ was incredible, wasn't it? In fact, Brad was telling me uh, just recently that he and Abby were showing that movie to a friend and just like the first time he said there were so many parts of it that he just had to look away. And I'm the same way when I've seen it a couple of times. It's just so hard to watch some of those images. The soldiers beating Jesus with their whip across His back. Jesus struggling under the weight of the cross as He tries to carry it through the streets. Jesus, as they lay Him on the ground and He stretches out His hands and they pound those nails through the flesh of His palms and through His feet. And then that jarring motion as they lift the cross and it falls down into the ground. And, and then Jesus, as He hangs there and dies. Friends, when you're tempted to think, I don't matter, when you're tempted to be controlled by that fear, it's time to replace the images of the mirror with the image of the cross. Do you think if you didn't matter that God would let His Son go through all of that for you? And yet that is exactly what He did. Not just for the person next to you. Not just for your friend that you think is so spiritual. He did it for you because He cares about you, because you matter to Him.
as you came in this morning, you were given a little uh, like ceramic cross, and I know they're a little cheesy, but I want you to keep that. And if you didn't get one, hopefully there's still some left, and as you leave this morning, grab one of those. I want you to put it somewhere where you'll see it regularly, whether you want to stick it in your Bible or hang it on your mirror or put it in your car somewhere or put it in that top desk drawer at your office that you're always opening. And every time that you see that little cross, I want you to remember, I matter. I don't have to fear not mattering. I matter to God. He loves me. And I want you to replace in your mind the images of the mirror with the image of the cross. You know what, friends? It is time to break the spell of the mirror. To get back our true identity. And to stop letting the fear of not mattering control our lives. Let's pray. God, thank You that I matter to You. God, thank You that everyone in this room matters to You. And God, would You help us in our hearts and our lives today to trade the images of the mirror and the spell of the mirror for images of the cross. Images of the fact that we are always on Your mind. That knowing everything about us, God, You chose to adopt us into Your family and that we are forgiven. God, burn those images into our hearts. Help us to drive away the fear of not mattering in our lives. And remind us, God, every day that we matter to You. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.